Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk, a Media Village podcast where we bring you exclusive interviews with talent and creative from across entertainment, discovering their stories and how they are changing the face of stardom across media. As always, I am your host, Juan Ayala. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, let's get to talking. So today's guest is an Emmy and Golden Globe award-winning actor you've seen across film and television from NYPD Blue, LA Law, The West Wing, The Star Wars, In the Heights, and the newest CBS drama series, East New York. Please welcome Mr. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy, thank you so, so much for being here. Welcome. Juanayala! <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Far How are you? Kind. I'm great. Uh, likewise. Uh, so before we dive into um, East New York, you know, I always love to uh, dive into uh, representation and what that means for people. So uh, especially with the name of our show being Multicultural TV Talk. Um, so can you recall an actor or a performance that you saw growing up that made you feel represented for the first time? I've talked about this a couple of times, Juan. Um, I've had the good fortune um, not growing up in a family that was uh, arts-oriented, but storytelling-oriented. And I think because of the fact that we moved around a lot, it had something to do with this thing about trying to fit in to different social economic milieus or uh, you know different ethnic areas in my life. We lived in Puerto Rico for a while, uh, and all different sections in in New York. Um, that I think that had something to do with you know what what I do what what I do today, but. Um, I've had the good fortune of having mentors besides the support of the family, even though they didn't understand what this industry or uh, artistic endeavor that I wanted to pursue was really all about. Um, but there were mentors along the way, specifically teachers uh, that kind of helped uh, to push me to the next level or to uh, keep myself open to the next level. So for me, it's it was always like the educational route. Um, so if you know, there was a professor that said, "Well, you you know, you sh you're showing the interest in, in classics, and maybe you should consider going going to graduate school and see what that instead of going to LA and being the the you know the crook of the week." Um, so those kinds of nuggets that happened for me were golden. Uh, because it, it afforded me the opportunity to have um, uh, tools in my little artistic toolbox so that I could truly have a life in this business. Mm. Um, and it's hard to talk about now, especially with young you guys, <laughs> because of this thing that we're in right here, you know, these little boxes and squares that we're in. Um, because there's nothing wrong with OJT and on-the-job training and uh, you know and all of that, but it's great to have in terms of what we do in storytelling is to have an appreciation of the written word and language and the historical significance of drama and how that so that you can have a springboard to really be versatile as an actor. Okay, now to answer your question, so yeah, I'm not I'm not one of those piffy anecdote kind of guys. I, th I think uh, when you see things that are similar, uh, 
there's a phrase now, you got to see it to be it. It, mm -hmm. it helps if you're seeing it. On, and for me, it was watching Raul Julia on stage and in film that I had a connection with. Uh, likewise with James Earl Jones. These two actors were very kind of like, they, they were kind of uh, touchstones for me in terms of believing that somebody that came from the same place that my mother came from uh, was able to maneuver his way through the classics and not you have the fact that he had an accent be an impediment for him, but to use it to show the possibilities of characters. And likewise for James Earl Jones, that you saw this beautiful man that just emanated power um, be able to tackle a wide range of roles. And so those things for me, those were two people that, that kind of like, wow, I, uh, there's a sim. I, I understand that it, it it touches me, so it it helped me kind of believe like, hey, you know, maybe you should give this a shot too. Short answer. RJ and Jimmy helped the little Smiths guy. So uh, if I can be candid for a moment, you know, similarly, um, actors like you and like James Earl Jones um, were really in uh, James Earl Jones and Edward James almost, and again, of course, Raul Julia were so impactful for me growing up um watching your movies like my family and price of glory uh they just meant a lot to me so it's really such an honor to, to be chatting with you and and um to be talking about all of this because um i feel like as much as conversations can center on diversity i feel like we don't really get into the nitty-gritty you know it almost sometimes feels a little bit surface but i love that we're sort of getting to like really dive deep so um right. with your show east new york um it is filmed here in new york it's not you know they're not using la to as a double um, and I'm actually maybe 20 minutes which, which, from... Which is what we did on NYPD Blue for the most part. We saw <laughs> NYPD Blue uh, um, in, on the sound stages in, in, on the Fox lot in West Los Angeles. And then we would go to New York, what started out every five or six episodes and then pulled back to once or twice a, a, a year to do those exterior shots. But go ahead, you were saying about shooting yeah. in New York. So, um, you know, it's nice to see... Um, an area that's not Manhattan represented on a show uh, like this. Most sort of uh, police dramas or, or illegal dramas are always sort of like in Manhattan. So it's really nice to see sort of the scope broadened out. So for you, having been a, a New Yorker for a lot of your life and, and spent a lot of time in Brooklyn, what does that mean for you getting to see that side of New York reflected that's not really represented a lot on screen? Yeah, well, Juan, I, I didn't really see in the cards like, uh, to, that I would be doing uh, at this point in that I would be doing a, a, a police procedural show. Um, it, it was, it, it, it uh, yeah, that, that didn't, I wasn't thinking about that. And um, I think a lot of it had to do with what we have been through as, in in the world in the last couple of years with the pandemic and um, the empowerment of the woman's voice and the empowerment of 
what we are terming kind of disenfranchised communities are really kind of feeling their own. And with regards to law enforcement, what has transpired because of like uh, the electronic media that has given us this insight towards law enforcement transgressions that have happened and because all of that, um, when I found out that there were a bunch of people that I knew, creatives that I knew that were thinking about doing a show uh, that mined that kind of landscape, um, it interests me because I knew where these guys' hearts were from and that it was a different kind of take um, that the central character of the show was going to be a woman's voice who was empowered, who was trying to deal with the relationship between law enforcement and the community and how that needs to be revisited. Uh, those things all interested me. So those were like checks on, on my little creative box. But then the fact that they happened to mention, oh, yeah, we're going to call it East New York. And I, it was like relampagos, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that that came. It was, yeah. Uh, because I, I happened when we came back from Puerto, I mentioned that we moved around a lot. And when we came back from Puerto Rico, uh, my junior high school, high school, and early college years were spent in this particular area of Brooklyn in New York, which is, it's called East New York because it's a, the easternest part of, 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 of the borough. Uh, people that are from New York know the New Lots train. And, you know, the significance of that is that new lots of land were, 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 were to be found in the beginnings of New Amsterdam, New York. So um, anyway, I mean, that's where, I, that's where I grew up and all of the decisions, life decisions that I've made, good and bad, um, have, have happened, you know, happened there. My wonder years were there and, um, you know, singing on the street corners with my buddies and, um, and, and my first exposure to theater. Uh, and going to being taken to go see theater, my work as a community activist uh, all began in in East New York. My love for the arts, uh, all those, all blossomed there. So it was, I don't know, the stars, the universe felt like it was aligning to like maybe you know through your work you can say something uh, as well. Um, because I'm not playing playing the central character in this particular thing. I'm part of a, 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 a one of the spokes in the wheel of this ensemble. And that feels comfortable too, because of, of my theater background. So that's why I jumped on board. And, um, and, and we're trying to, you know, shift the paradigm in terms of the show with regards to how you look, because we're, we're not propagandizing, we're doing an hour entertainment, um, you know, on an, on network television in a procedural show where you know there's a there's a crime and something happens and you know, but within that, we're trying to see if there's elbow room, you know, to say something in that space. Yeah. Hopefully, through interesting characters that the audience connects with, that the audience uh, can identify with. You think about Columbo, or you know, back in the back in the day, uh, you know that that those iconic kind of uh, 
I'm talking about the the law enforcement police thing of the hist history of television. On NYPD Blue, that Sipowitz character that you, the audience really knows what that character is and wants to see those characters in, in that kind of landscape of law enforcement. That's what I think we're trying to do on a creative basis. And I don't want to make it too lofty, but because it's a TV show. But uh, but again, trying to and trying to say something positive, hopefully, that resonates with audiences and audiences of today watching what thematically what we're talking about law enforcement and the responsibility of law enforcement being guardians not warriors being there to protect and serve a community and the responsibility of the community too knowing that when something goes down you're calling 911 right so that's it's a, it's a, it's a two-way street yeah it's a great you know it's a really cool ensemble the cast is really wonderful um you know, we've got people that I've worked with before I'm in the theater that are there. Um, we've got newbies that the audience that I see connecting with that are really talented. And we're there because we all want to tell this particular story and highlight this neighborhood in, in a particular way. So that's why I'm there. Again, sorry, I can't anecdote, man. I can't give you like pithy one sentence things. It's okay. It's a podcast. There's something worse than like a two second answer. And you're like, well, we've got 20 minutes left, you know? <laughs> so I we appreciate can go. We can go. We can, we can do a part two if you want. <laughs> um, so what I love about the show and what people are definitely connecting with is that level of nuance that you were talking about that, that is being handled very sensitively with the content of the show. It doesn't feel like we're being pandered to, you know, it doesn't feel like a sort of checklist of, because, you know, unfortunately, some networks, and we won't, obviously won't name names, we won't burn any bridges, but, um, you know, some of their shows can feel like there's like a diversity checklist uh, that they're going down and, and all of that. And this just feels so genuine. And again, that it uh, not only takes place in this neighborhood, but also a lot of it is filmed there. Um, a lot of the, you can see a lot of the community in it. So it just feels much more grounded. Uh, and again, with lots of nuance, so it's really wonderful to see that on this sort of on a network level, because sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm totally in sync with what you're saying, and that's what the conversations are on a daily basis with the creatives, with with the cast in terms of what the stories that we're trying to tell and to. Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to throw shade on, on anybody else. You know, you right. do what you got to do. But what. What I don't want to happen because we are we're in this network paradigm that uh, the networks, although they talk about wanting to uh, you know compete with streaming and uh, diversify and, and tell our stories, they have molds. You know, they have kind of you can tell a particular network's type of show, and so what we have to do is kind of in that take that mold and kind of try to find ways to open it up a little bit. Mm. Um, the guys that created NYPD Blue, you know, they they probably would have a tough time uh, trying to pitch that show right now to network television where there's, you know, partial nudity and people using blue language. Um, but But it's those kinds of shows you know, I can rattle off a bunch of names that kind of change the, the the landscape of what television or any type of art can be. You have to 
be able to hold true to what you believe in uh, and work, try to work within that system, but at the same time, try to break the molds. And I, I hope, I hope that's what we're going to try to, if anyway, if I stay on, I want to, I want to make sure we keep doing that. And uh, I'm curious, with such a long career as you've had, what have you noticed is like the biggest difference uh, within the entertainment industry compared to when you first started your career? You did mention streaming, and that is a big talking point, just sort of the breadth of how much work there is. But what else have you noticed has changed? Long career, that means I'm old, right? Viejo. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, OG. (laughs) Um, I don't ever, you know, I've had a lot of blessings in terms of, career and and choices that I've made, but there've been a lot of walls and glass ceilings and doors that I have not been able to get through. Um, So I don't wanna, I don't wanna ever sound like uh, I'm doing sour grapes or whining or anything like that. We've made tremendous progress, but we got a lot, we got a lot uh, a ways to go. We still got a ways to go. but we have to acknowledge the fact that uh, I think on a general level that our population numbers are increasing uh, in this country. And, and you're seeing in the Latinx space different, it's, it's not just one specific look or story that are, you know, like different fingers, it, it's, it's expanding. And because our population numbers are expanding and the amount of time that we've been here in the generations now that we've been in this country and acknowledging the fact that there have been Latino generations that have been here even prior to the beginning in in terms of like the geographical, um, we're here. What we have to, the, the, the moves that we still have to make is to be more in control of content. So it's not just Jimmy in front of the camera, but you know, Jimmy and Juan getting together and talking about stories that interest them and writing those and pitching those and getting those things on the air or on film or on the stage. Uh, that's where we need to make a leap to the next level and we're and it's happening it's happening um but you know i want it to happen i want it to happen quicker <laughs> yeah i feel like that's been that's been mentioned quite a bit is um not just those in front of the camera but also who's green lighting the shows do they Absolutely. understand where the stories are coming from 100 percent. Yeah, producers everybody even uh you know we've heard i feel like every month there's a something else of a of another of like a black actress talking about how no one in the makeup or hair trailer knew what to do with their hair couldn't do their makeup it's like as simple as that hiring uh makeup artists and designers of color to be able to sort of give a give as much attention to everyone as they did with the rest of the cast you know so it's so it's reflective of the population that you're serving when you're uh, the audience that that you're viewing hey you know i how many times are we going to read uh, these uh, studies from the Pew Institute or Nielsen or whatever about how Latinx families over-index with regards to brand loyalty or uh, the the numbers on an opening any given for any film uh, any given opening weekend? 
how we're there supporting. Yeah. I mean, we have to kind of find a way to change that into something that makes it power more powerful to support our own stories. And um, and and sometimes the community, you know, they're they're a little bit lax with regards to to that support. Um, but we, you know, we're we're making progress. We're making progress. Yeah. It's interesting with with the Latino community, especially, uh, you know, and and also with younger generations in general. But you know, our BS meter is very sensitive, so we can tell okay. when we're being pandered to, and we know when it's genuine. So I feel like we're very skeptical about what we support. We're like, okay, who's, okay, this is a Latino story, but who directed this? Who wrote this? Who's a producer? You know, we are very, very careful with, with what it is that we support uh, for that reason, because we know that the effect we have, I mean, Hispanic heritage was just ended. So I still have these numbers like engraved on my brain, but you know, Latinos are on, on track to have like $2.5 trillion spending power in the next couple of years. We're one of five, people, you know, uh, Americans, we, we make up 20% of the country, but we get less than 5% of the lead representation on TV. So, you know, we're paying attention and hopefully the change comes soon. But like you said, we do still have quite a ways to go, but, you know, slowly well, but surely. I, you know, I mentioned to you before we started rolling about being La Nueva Ola, you know, mm. the next wave. And, you know, you're, you're part of that. And you're armed with all of that uh, statistical information. And <laughs> that's good to have all that statistical information in, on the cap, but to figure out ways how we can really affect, affect change. Because it doesn't happen overnight, but, it, um, but certainly, you know, in the last couple of years, a lot of progress has been made. Yeah, yeah. certain figures. Especially, especially with our sisters. Our sisters are doing yeah. great things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just before we go, so if you had this sort of like back to the future moment where you ran into little 13 year old Jimmy and you could give him any piece of advice and we're going to assume this doesn't mess up the timeline, you know, movies always do that. They create a multiverse, all that stuff, but we're going to pretend that's not going to happen. So if you could give 13 year old Jimmy any advice, what would you say? Um. You know, basically, it sounds corny, but follow your dreams, first of all. Listen to your voice. Know that your voice is unique. And perseverance has a lot to do with it. Just like really hanging in there and, uh, you know, trying to find ways to get your stuff, whatever it is, a, you know, a piece of artwork or whether you're writing is to, you you can become by doing. So to find ways to do what you uh, what you what you're interested in, and that's why you know that I make fun of not being on social and stuff. But you know, people are making movies on their iPhones. Yeah. They're they're finding ways to tell stories. You know, if it, if it's not going to be part of some multi. Uh, corporate structure to find ways to do it because eventually the multi-corporate structure says hmm those kids are really doing something there yeah and that's where you get that's where you break in that's what we got to do yeah well jimmy thank you so so much for for taking the time to, to chat with us today it's been we're done okay <laughs> oh my god that was quick that was too quick y'all 
so you did mention you're not on social, so I won't ask my usual question, where can uh, folks follow you? But of course, everyone can tune in to CBS Sundays at nine o'clock to watch new episodes of East New York. And of course, you can head over to MediaVillage.com to follow us on Instagram, MediaVillage.com for all of our reviews, interviews, podcasts, and more. Of course, I'm your host, Juan Yella. This is Multicultural TV Talk. Thank you for joining us. Muchísimas gracias, Juan. God bless. Bueno.